With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. We often refer to the people gathered here tonight and others like them across the country as the CFL family. Recently, our family lost a beloved patriarch. His excellence set the bar during his 13-year playing career, and his service to community and country spanned an amazing six decades. I'm talking, of course, about the great George Reed. To honor his legacy, I am pleased to announce that our most prestigious player award will be furthermore known as the George Reed Most Outstanding Player Award. That's the commissioner of the Canadian Football League last night, Randy Ambrosi, at the CFL Awards show. And going forward, the most outstanding player will be the George George Reed Award. How cool is that? I mean, I'm wearing my old-school Saskatchewan Rough Rider sweater today. Made us proud last night, no doubt about it. And a couple other guys made us really proud as well in Ryderville. It's going to be a fun show today. It's the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes, the last show before Grey Cup Sunday, supplying home packages and RT. For over 65 years, Nelson Holmes is the place to go. But yeah, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, our kicker, Brett Lowther, was named the Tom Pate Memorial Award winner for the 2023 CFL season last night. The award is presented every single year by the Canadian Football League Players Association to a player who exhibits outstanding sportsmanship while making huge contributions to his team, community, the union, you name it. So big congratulations to Brett Lawther. Made us proud at Ryderville last night. And also receiver Brayden Lenius. He won the CFL's Jake Goddard Award for the 2023 season. And we all know Brayden Lenius' story missed basically all of last season. He had a really rough year last year. He had that kidney uh, injury, and then he had that Liz Frank injury after that. And it was just yesterday morning that we found out the news that Brain Lenius signed a new one-year contract with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's like the cherry on top yesterday. Brain Lenius takes home an award at the CFL Honors last night in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And coming up on the other side of this opening break, Brain Lenius will join us here on the Western Pizza Hotline to talk all about the award ceremony last night, what it means to him to be the newest recipient of the Jake Goddard Award, and maybe I'm going to ask his thoughts on his new contract because I know Ryder fans are really excited about that. And we have a nice show lined up for you. Brain Lenius, John Hodge from Three Down Nation at the bottom of the hour. A lot of stuff happening leading up to Grey Cup Sunday. Some good, some bad, just like it always is. There's a bit of a field issue going on right now when it comes to logos, when it comes to banners around the field. No LCF logo, which is problematic because we all know well, we all know this country is thrived on two different languages, and we all know that the Montreal Alouettes are indeed playing in the game tomorrow, so that makes it even more problematic. We're going to talk about John Hodge and see if they have 
a solution in place before kickoff on Sunday. I saw the pictures of it, and it's just the CFL logo at midfield. Usually it's the the double logo. It's the Grey Cup logo with the LCF and the CFL, but for some reason there was some kind of miscommunication along the lines this year. So that conversation is coming up at the bottom of the hour here. And Chad Kelly, speaking of the George Reed Award, Most Outstanding Player Award, Chad Kelly, he won that award last night. And he had a very emotional speech. And we're going to play that speech for you right before the 4 o'clock news. You could tell it just meant a whole lot to him when he was up on stage there. He was getting emotional. So we are going to play you that speech courtesy of the CFL honors last night, courtesy of the Canadian Football League. And Arash Madani is also live in Hamilton. I'm sure he has a whole lot to say about the logo issue at midfield at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. That's coming up at 4.05. Brett Lawther, we're going to hear from him, his speech last night after he won the Tom Pate Memorial Trophy. And Farhan Lauji, he's in Hamilton and really looking forward to talking with this Hamilton Tiger Cats legend to kick off 5 o'clock. Darren Flutie, he did it all in the Canadian Football League. He was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in the year of 2007. And it's a nice little connection because this is the 12th time the Hamilton Tiger Cats have hosted a great cup between, you know, Tim Hortons Field and Iverwind Stadium. This is the 12th time the Tabbies have hosted the great cup. But when you think back in history, those Hamilton Tiger Cats, they haven't had much to cheer for when it comes to hoisting that great cup trophy. They haven't won the big game. Since 1999, that was the back-to-back years that the Calgary Stampeders and Hamilton Tiger Cats played each other. In 1998, Calgary won the Grey Cup with Jeff Garcia when the Stamps were wearing those black jerseys and Mark McLaughlin kicked a game-winning field goal there, so they beat the Tiger Cats in 98. But then the Tabbies came back in 1999 wearing their black jerseys and won the Grey Cup, and that is the last time the Hamilton Tiger Cats have won the Grey Cup Championship. And we're going to talk with Darren Flutie about that game and also about the 1994 game as well because Darren Flutie was on that BC Lions team that beat the Baltimore Stallions back in 1994. So he is a two-time Grey Cup champion and he is going to be on the Western Pizza Hotline to kick off Hour 3. And last night watching that Thursday nighter, I could not help but think, did I curse, did the sports cage curse the Burrow family? Very unfortunate news came in today and we kind of saw it coming last night watching that NFL game. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, he is indeed out for the season with that wrist injury as a torn ligament. So he's the second AFC North quarterback ruled out for the season just this week alone. Earlier on this week, Deshaun Watson was declared out for the season and now we got Joe Burrow out for the season So if the AFC North wasn't for the taking to begin with, the Baltimore Ravens, they have a real opportunity now to run away with that division. The Baltimore Ravens did come away with the win last night. It really sunk the the sails, if you will, of the Cincinnati Bengals last night after Joe Burrow went down. You could just tell after that the players were just kind of gloomy on the sidelines. Baltimore came up with a 34-20 win. So the Ravens are 8-3 and and the Bengals fell to 5-5 and with that loss last night. All of our guests on today's show appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Back into the fall routine. I know I am. 
I mentioned yesterday I ordered Western pizza at like two in the morning a couple days ago. Well, last night when I got home, I had the leftovers. And I'm thinking on Grey Cup Sunday, I'm going to order me some more because the one that I ordered a couple days ago was not big enough. It wasn't big enough. You know, I was a bit tight for money at the time, you know, tight for money. So I ordered a small. But guess what? Great Cup Sunday, it only happens once a year. So I'm feeling a bit groovy coming up here on Sunday. Western Pizza is in the plans. You can take the night off on Sunday and let Western Pizza do the cooking. And speaking of cooking, the Regina Pats, they're going to try to cook up a nice road swing tonight. It's a road swing of five straight games starting up tonight. And the first stop is in Swift Current. And the pregame show will be on these airwaves right at 6.35 with Dante DiCaria. And then puck drop shortly after 7 o'clock. So the Regina Pats, they were playing at home a lot there. And they will not play at home again, believe it or not, until December 2nd, which is a Saturday. So... A little over two weeks from now, we will not have the opportunity to see the Pats play at the Brant Center. But that's to look forward to tonight. Pats and Swift Current Broncos on the air at 635. And we have Braid Lenius waiting on the Western Pizza hotline here. So we are going to take a break, be back on the other side, and we will have the newly signed Saskatchewan Rough Rider join us. And last night, he won the CFL's Jake Goddard Award for the 2023 season. It's Brayton Lenius. On the way next, you are listening to the Sports Cage on this Friday, the last show before Grey Cup Sunday for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You know, initially last night, it wasn't supposed to be an exciting night for Ryder Nation because going into the event, the CFL Awards, we were looking at the award nominees, and we had no Saskatchewan Rough Riders to cheer for when it came to MOP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, whatnot. However, we came out of the night with two awards to cheer for, and one of these guys now joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline, Brayden Lanius. He won yesterday's CFL's Jake Goddard Award for the 2023 season. Thanks for coming on, Brayden. How are you doing? Good. How you doing, Sean? I'm Pleasure doing. How was it last night to be around CFL royalty, if you will, all the greatest players in the league? Oh, it's amazing. Like I grew up, CFL was the first league in football I grew up watching, even above NFL, and seeing all the greats like Milton and being able to talk to them and just be around all those the guys. You you feel that aura and you feel just like that sense of pride of like-minded individuals. Of you know, everybody has that that one goal, obviously the Great Cup, but also to celebrate personal accolades. And, just kind of have that brotherhood, right? So it was really cool to be there and be surrounded by all those guys. It was it was a very good event, as always. Um, and, so, yeah, no, it was, it was a really good night. Yeah, and, and talk about receiving that personal accolade. What was going through your mind? What was going through your heart in the moment that you realized that you were the Jake Kadar Award winner? Oh, it was incredible. It was just, it was like kind of surreal, right? Like when you're surrounded by all those people in that in that, in that that type of room, Um and it's had, like having my fiance and my mom there, and a couple of teammates like Brett Lauder there, Mitch Picken was there. Um, it just it's, it's amazing to share that with with everybody because it, it doesn't happen really without all those people. Like it, it takes a village of my team behind me to you know to push me to where I am and to be able to share that and and to, to feel that and to enjoy that moment. It was it was really special. Man, despite that 
taxing rehabilitation process. You remained yeah. highly active in the community here as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation player ambassador. You traveled all over the place teaching, you know, youth about healthy relationships, importance of mental well-being, uh, healthy coping yeah. strategies and, and whatnot. So just take us through some of the things that, that you did uh, this year in 2023. Yeah, so um, that, that Win With Wellness program launched with the Saskatchewan Foundation uh, last year in 2022 after the season, right after the Grey Cup at home. Um, and yeah, we were able to reach, not myself, there's six of us. Um, we onboarded some new new ambassadors now, but we reached over 16,000 kids wow. throughout the province. And it was just, it was it was incredible. We Right after Grey Cup, Brent and I got to go up to Sandy Bay, Saskatchewan. That's like 13 hours north. Um, and you got to see different parts of Saskatchewan that we kind of forget about and really really see see these kids and see what they're going through and be able to, you know, share some light into their into their lives and um, just kind of share our story, right, and what, what we go through as individuals because they kind of never really get to see the behind the scenes of, of who we are, right? So mm-hmm. it's really cool for us to kind of share that story and kind of preach on, on what, what kind of the message that we're talking about and, you know, share those different strategies, like you said, COVID mechanisms and kind of share my, I like to tie back to my personal story, right? I have, I have a lot to share and now going to this next off season when we're doing more schools to have I've been even more mental health stuff to, to talk about because this year was was all mental for me so um yeah it's it's been it's been it's been an incredible journey I can't wait to grow off of it yeah and can we talk about that for a second Braden I mean you went through such a tough season this year you know lacerated kidney then you came back and then you had that Liz Frank sprain talk about coping strategies and coping mechanisms I'm guessing you were put to the test this year when it comes to that mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And you kind of, yeah, yeah. When it happened, I was kind of just smiling. Like I was smiling, almost just like obviously in shock after it happened. But um, yeah, it was probably like I think seven days after or six days after surgery, um, I was kind of just laying there. Was, I was feeling sorry for myself. But um, you kind of just <clears throat> that switch flips, right? Because you kind of get through that stage of the pain, we kind of kind of start to go away, and you kind of start building off of okay, what can I, what can I change, what can I control my own my own way and you know everything happens for a reason right and when when i stand up on stage and receive a word like i did last night and be able to walk on my two feet again and go up there you know you kind of realize maybe i need a little bit of a reset right this is the first time in my career i ever dealt with an injury my first time in my life I had surgery um and to be kind of go through 27 or whatever a whole 13 years 14 years of football no injuries that's pretty i'll tell take that so you know what if this year was for me to get a little bit of a rest to reset and kind of be be playing my part in a different way through the team this past season and kind of, you know, be able to now grow off of it this year and go into next year healthy and feeling good. It's, uh, it's definitely a learning lesson and learning curve, but I think uh, going in next year, um, some, some goodness is going to happen. So yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, man. This is Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver Braden Lenius here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And Braden, do you think, you know, going out in the community and doing stuff like way up north, 13 hours up north, kind of helped you through this rehab process as far as your injury goes? Like, where would you see yourself if you didn't have that kind of thing to do off the field? Would it be more difficult for yourself to get through an injury like this if you didn't have that stuff to look forward to? Yeah, 100%. Like, having an understanding, like, when you're in those moments, it's like, yes, I have, it's it, my, things are not going my way right now and life is tough right now. But when you go up 13 hours north and see those people's lives and see how they're living and what they're going through, I'm, my, what I'm going through is not even close to what they deal with. So you kind of, you kind of suck it up a bit and you kind of like, okay, I got some work to do and there's ways I can control what I'm going through and also, you know, give back to me in that sense and 
it helps me when I help the community, right? It kind of bounces and it plays off each other, right? Mm-hmm. When I when I speak to the kids and you know, able to share my story, it it helps me, right? Because I'm able to talk about it. And they get to hear it at the same time, so it it every it kind of goes full full circle. Yeah, Braden Lenius, CFL Jake Kadar Award winner here for the 2023 season. And Braden, we've chatted for a couple minutes now and have yet to ask you about your brand new contract. The news came out yesterday. Yeah. Uh, how awesome yeah. is that? Another uh, a contract under your belt, another season here with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, it's it's incredible. It's home. I, it's, it's, I, I told them, I told, you know, J.O. and Carson at the end of the year of, uh, I don't want to be anywhere else, you know, and this year's not about the money. I don't, it's, it's really not about that. There's, we have a great, uh, crew. I'm talking about receivers alone of Schaefer Baker, Emulus picked in myself. That's, I, we have a great core and then even above that, even the rest of the team, right? We have such a, an amazing group of men in that locker room that we need to build around and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else to build. You know, it's, there's been a lot of work that we've put in since even I've been here in 2019 and we've, we should have been in places that you know we haven't got to yet, but there's that's why I said I, I told them there's more work to be done as as the guys that have been there. So um, it's a blessing to be back there, and I know Rider Nation. You know it's been a tough last couple of seasons, but I hope they understand that you know we we have guys that really care about this this community and this organization. We you know we're going to turn things around. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's one of, that's why I came back. How is your injury as of today? Like, are you close to 100? percent How's your rehab going? I'm about, I would say I'm about 83% right now. Yeah. So by training. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm jumping, I'm jumping, I'm running. Um, if it came to it, like, so because, you know, we didn't, we didn't make a playoff push. I was able to kind of, kind of push things back a little bit. But yeah. if, if I if we were made a playoff push, I would have been, I'd have been probably able to go. So, um, so yeah, everything's feeling really good. I'm ahead of schedule, and you know, going to the next next year gives me confidence. I have a bunch of time to get ready, and I'll be ready for for come May in Saskatoon. Awesome. I guess maybe Regina. I don't know yeah. if we're Saskatoon this year. I think it might be Regina this year. Yeah, this has been fun. Thanks for taking a couple minutes today, and once again, congratulations on the Jacob Dar Award last night. That was awesome to see you on stage uh, with that trophy in your hand. No, I appreciate it. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, that's Braden Lenny, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And yes, your 2023 CFL Jake Gadar Award winner. We are going to hit the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. It's 3.31. I'm Blaine Wallen inside the Sports Cage Studios with your sports ticker. Action currently going on in the NHL, of course, with the NHL overseas as part of the Global Series in Sweden. The Detroit Red Wings are scoring off with the Toronto Maple Leafs and midway through the third period. The Red Wings currently hold a 2-1 lead over the Maple Leafs. It's a quiet night in the NHL. Just two other games tonight include Winnipeg hosting Buffalo and Anaheim. We'll score off with Florida. The Regina Pats began a five-game trek away from the Brant Centers. They're being... Out of the center, out of the brand center because of the Canadian Western Aggravation next week. Tonight, the Pats are in Swift Current. They'll take on the Broncos. Coverage here on 620 CKRM begins at 635. Opening faceoff is at 7 o'clock. It was a rough Thursday nighter last night in the NFL on both sides. The Baltimore Ravens lost tight end Mark Andrews with an ankle injury. He'll be out for the season. As well, Cincinnati Bengals found out today that quarterback Joe Burrow is done for the season with a wrist injury. And as well, the Bengals are facing an investigation by the NFL for possible not disclosing Burrow's injury as he was seen arriving to Baltimore yesterday with a brace on his wrist. And as a look at your sports ticker. Senior hockey is very important to each town it's played in, and it's important to us too. Time now for the Senior Hockey Report. 
It's the Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report on the Sports Cage. Here we go. If you haven't tuned into the Monday Nooner, I would go and download that if you're a fan of senior hockey because was there a lot of drama in senior hockey this week? Players getting suspended, teams getting fined, trying to slip imports out at the lake. Shane, you you got a place out at the lake. Like Half of these places are boarded up and they're trying to say they live there. You got to have the tracks going in and out. Keep your furnace running so people can see the smoke bellowing out and you might get off the hook. Yeah, teams that got in trouble in the Coppell Valley Highway Hockey League. The brand new boys, Raymore in trouble, <laughs> Southie in trouble, Lumsden in trouble. Um, yeah, and it all stems, a lot of it stems from people trying to say they live at Regina Beach. Tune into the Monday Nooner. The whole story's there quickly. The top 10 is also on the latest episode. The Keniston Blizzard, number one. And uh, that's all we got to tell you. You got to tune in to find out who the rest were. Tell you there's some teams from around the Regina area. Belts, what is going on close to home this weekend in the Not a Q Hockey League? You know what? If if I was going to pick the game of the week, it would probably be the Assiniboia Rebels down in Glentworth. I know it's a little long ways to go. Glentworth's 2 and 0. They're playing great hockey. So if you want to catch a game Saturday, Glentworth's actually in Rollo. We love the Ramblers close to Regina. Head on down there, see Glentworth and Rollo go at it. Hopefully, Rollo can get their first win of the year this year. Hey, I've heard that Glentworth also, also worth the drive for the best rink burger in Saskatchewan and quite the, the rumor who, uh, makes the patties. So it's almost worth the drive to try that burger. Can I give everybody a, a quick rundown of a game of the week, maybe game of the month in the big six hockey league down in Southeast Saskatchewan, the working man's league, we call it. It's going down Friday night. In Red, in Carlisle, sorry, at the Carlisle Sports Arena, eight o'clock, couple hour drive from the city, but some really good senior hockey between the defending champion Redvers Rockets and the uh, pesky favorites this year, the Carlisle Cougars. That's going to be a great matchup on Friday night. Coppell Valley Highway Hockey League used to be known as the Super League. I tell you, Friday night. Tonight in Balcaris, they got a nice little tavern attached to the rink there. Balcaris is home to the Milestone Flyers. Balcaris off to a 1-0 start in that league. And then I like Saturday night in Raymore hosting the Balcaris Broncos, along with Grenfell home to Lumsden on Saturday. So two bangers on Saturday in the Coppell Valley Highway Hockey League. Tune into the Monday Nooner. Find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. If you like senior hockey, you'll love the senior hockey show there. Hey, on the Sports Cage, boys, the Monday Nooner little snippet here brought to you by Synergy AG, your local crop input retailer in Saskatchewan. Locations all around Brad Hamner and his team always supporting youth hockey, supporting senior hockey. We love everything that Synergy AG does, and they're supporting local, so support them. All right, Zinger, Sports Cage, back to you guys. Kick it. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. It's 3.38 inside the cage here. It's a Friday for Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Just trying to get a hold of three down nations. John Hodge, I know it's a busy week for everyone out east in Hamilton. A lot going on, a lot of festivities. So hopefully we can catch up with John Hodge 
within the next couple minutes here because I want to pick his brain about some of these things that are happening across the Canadian Football League right now. There's a little bit of an issue when it comes to the lack of LCF advertisement around Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, which is very head-scratching. I don't do not know how that happens, to be quite frank, but maybe John Hodge does. That's why we are on a mission to get a hold of John Hodge. I know Arash Madani is all over it as well as Arash is going to join us to kick off hour two today because I was just scrolling through his tweets throughout the night, throughout this morning. Uh, I'll read one of the tweets from Arash. He said the CFL is in scramble mode after an outcry, you know, of the lack of LCF signage at the Grey Cup scene. Here at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. So as of now, it's just the CFL, not the joint LCF logo at midfield. And then Arash said that he expects by game day that they'll get electronic signage in French and, you know, just try to modify what they can. But, oh boy, I don't know how that happens. But maybe Arash Madani can give us the latest just after the 4 o'clock news if John Hodge is unable to. Uh, give us a call back here. And we mentioned that the George Reed Most Outstanding Player Award, that's the name of it now, and the first-time winner of that award is Chad Kelly. Big congratulations to Chad Kelly. He won the award last night, and we are going to hear from Chad Kelly and that emotional speech that he gave right after he received the award. And that's coming up on the other side of this segment. But also, let's roll through the list. We haven't done that yet. Most outstanding Canadian, Brady Oliveira of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was the Western nominee for the most outstanding player. And like I just said, he did not win it because Chad Kelly won it. But at least Brady goes home with some hardware. Most outstanding defensive player, Matthew Betts of the BC Lions. That's no surprise. We had him on the sports cage leading up to the Western final. and uh, Or was it the semifinal? Western semifinal, I think we had Matthew Betts on. Either or, he got recognized yesterday as the defensive player of the year. And most outstanding rookie goes to Quantez Stiggers of the Toronto Argonauts. Big congrats to him. I mean, he finished his debut season with a team-high five interceptions. He had like 53 defensive tackles. He had three on special teams. He was all over the place this year. Like, every time the Argos were out there, it seemed like that man was swarming the football. He's just 21 years old, and he has a lot of football up ahead of him. And Stiggers beat Edmonton's Kai Gray. So I was kind of leaning towards Gray. I thought maybe Gray was going to win that award because both guys had a just an outstanding season. But it is Stickers that goes home with the award. Most outstanding offensive lineman, Dejon Allen of the Toronto Argonauts. He's a two-time All-Star. And he, he gave up only two sacks this year. Only two sacks at uh, as the Toronto Argonauts right tackle. Anytime you just give up two sacks in professional football, I say, yeah, your name should be in the hat for an outstanding offensive lineman. So he wins that. And the awards were just flooding in to the Toronto Argonauts last night in Niagara Falls. Uh, Javon Leak, who is also on the sports cage not too long ago, most outstanding special teams player. That's no surprise. Uh, man, the guy from North Carolina, he, he had four punt return touchdowns. And just one shy of tying the CFL record. League is uh, 
Leak, by the way, is just the eighth return specialist in league history to reach that mark. He had over 2,000 return yards. He did it all. He averaged league-high 15 yards per punt return. He had nearly 21 yards uh, running back kickoffs as well. So he easily defeated Lions uh, kicker Sean White to become the fifth Argos player to win this award. And the first since, remember Swayze Waters back in 2014. What a name. That has to be a top 10 name in Canadian Football League history. Maybe top 20. Maybe I'm stretching it a bit. Swayze Waters. Big congratulations to Ryan Dinwiddie. He is the coach of the year here in 2023. And that's no surprise either. Really, he received 58 of the 61 votes, I believe, which is kind of surprising to me in a way. But in a way, it's not because you look at it, the Toronto Argonauts finished 16 and 2. So maybe when you look at it and see 58 out of the 61 votes went to Ryan Dinwiddie on that front, it's not so surprising. But on the other side, you have Michael O'Shea, who is leading the charge of a dynasty right now. I think it's safe to say. Well, if they win this year, no doubt it's a dynasty. So Michael O'Shea just received three votes out of the 61 but Ryan Dinwiddie takes home the award big congratulations to him and we already mentioned it Brett Lother of our Saskatchewan Rough Riders the Canadian Football League Players Association uh, gave him the recognition for the sportsmanship and significant contributions to both the team and community he took home the big time award big congratulations to Brett Lother the Tom Pate Memorial Award winner and we were unable to get a hold of Brett Lother today, he's a busy man out east there, but we will air his award ceremony speech a little later on today here in the sports cage. And we heard from this guy to kick off the show today, Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver Brain Lenius. He won the CFL's Jake Goddard Award last night, and there's not a more deserving individual of that award, especially after what this guy has been through this year. Uh, Lacerated his kidney during the second preseason game, it was. And then it forced him to sit out the first seven weeks of the season. Brayden Lenius didn't play for the first seven weeks of the season. And then he returned to the lineup. Everyone's like, yes, we finally have Brayden Lenius back on the football field. Returns to the lineup only to suffer a season-ending Liz Frank sprain in his first game back. And that is a very significant injury. It might not sound like it, but that injury takes a long time to come back from. And we just heard from Brayden. He says he's about... 83%. I like the number he put on it. He said he's 83% back and healthy. And he went on to say, if you missed the conversation, by the way, you can always go back and find it on demand wherever you find your podcast. But Braden said, basically, if the Riders were making a playoff push, he himself would have made the push as well to play in the playoffs. But since the Riders were out, he kind of took a step back and was like, let's not rush this thing. Let's not rush this thing. And you know, let's let let's take it easy a bit here and make a full comeback for 2024. So, Brain Lenius, big time winner last night, and it was quite cool because we went into the evening last night not expecting to have anything to cheer for in Ryderville as far as our players go. But no, Brett Lather and Brain Lenius making us proud last night. Still trying to get a hold of John Hodge of Three Down Nation. And it looks like John is a busy man, so I'm not sure if we will be able to get a hold of him or not, but that's okay because a lot of the things that I was going to ask John, 
I was kind of banking it for Arash Madani just in case if this scenario happened. And Arash Madani, he has his fingerprint all over this situation as well. Like I said, guarding by these tweets that Arash has been sending out. And Arash is a good guy to talk to when it comes to this stuff because... What's the Rash is saying? The beginning of new beginnings. I believe that's what Randy Ambrosi said a couple years ago. And Arash Madani loves to say that. And stuff like this really doesn't help. I don't know how this happens. I don't want to be negative because it's been such a positive week. It's been such a positive vibe going into Great Cup 110. You know, it's feeling good. I know the riders aren't in it. And the two teams that we are getting set to watch are not the ideal teams that we want to see. But for the most part, it's been a good vibe all week long. But we might have to bring it down just a tad while we talk with Arash because I got a couple things uh, that, uh, oh, look at this, John Hodge. I'm ready now if it's not too late. So do you know what we're going to do? We are going to take a quick break, and hopefully John Hodge can answer us on the way uh, back because I do have a couple things I want to ask John, and that's including what's in Danny Machocha's backpack all the time? He's walking around with a backpack all the time. Is he constantly carrying his lunch around or what is it we're gonna find out on the other side you are listening to the sports cage for nelson holmes on 620 ckr with everything you have on your plate earning your degree online seems impossible but at grand canyon university we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day your graduation team led by your own gcu counselor provides you with the personal support you need to succeed Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, yes, we are joined by John Hodge from Three Down Nation here on the Western Pizza Hotline as John is live in Hamilton, Ontario, getting set for the big game on Sunday. Thanks for taking a couple minutes here, John. And I have a lot to ask you. I don't know if we'll get to it all today, but the first thing I want to bring to your attention, and maybe you could get, you know, give us some input on this. I saw all over social media that apparently there's a bit of an issue right now regarding the logos, the banners around Tim Hortons Field. There's no LCF anywhere to be seen. And I guess my question is, John, how does this happen and how do we fix this before kickoff on Sunday? Well, I'll, I'll set the scene a little bit here. So yeah. at the State of the League conference that Randy Ambrosi held on Tuesday, there was a French language reporter. And I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I, my French is terrible. My elementary school French teacher would be extremely disappointed. Me too. <laughs> My, Me too. My use of the language. I know bonjour. But... <laughs> bonjour and crayon, on. I believe, is a pencil. Yeah. And I also know most foods in French, but that's a that's a. Oh, you're ahead thing. of me. Um, <laughs> 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 but there was a question about the East Final because at the East Final in Toronto, the, the the Canadian national anthem was only sung in 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 one language, and that was upsetting for some viewers in Quebec. The game did a tremendous rating on RDS. There was almost half a million people watching on French language television. English and French combined, that game did over 1.3 million viewers. That's more than the West final did, which is wild. The first time in a very long time that the East has actually outnumbered the West. And so obviously there were some French language people upset. We all know that Pierre-Carl Peladeau is a very proud Quebecer. He bought the team this past offseason. 
And so, yes, there, there was a misstep last week. Randy Ambrosi apologized for it. And this is another misstep. I mean, the, the signage around Tim Hortons Field is beautiful. I, I did a stadium tour on Tuesday. I thought it was great, really well done. Never occurred to me, oh, right, this, this team, this, one of these teams is French. And, and we have two official languages in this country. So, obviously, a misstep by the CFL. And, you know, they're probably going to try to scramble and, and, and see what they can do late. But a lot of this signage has been in place for several days at this point. I can't imagine that they've got a bunch of French signage sitting around that they're going to try to slap up. How, I know you you don't know the answer to this, but I'm just like speaking friend to friend. How do, how how does this happen a week after the national anthem thing happens? It's just and yet the commissioner apologized for that. It just a few days ago. It's just really head scratching to us Canadian Football League fans. Well, I've only been on the scene in Hamilton since very late Monday night, but I did yeah. do the stadium tour the following day, and and the signage was already in in place, and mm-hmm. so. You know, uh, maybe their their presumption is, you know, Toronto's going to be in the game because I do think it was a surprise to a lot of people if the outlets were able to pull off that upset. Um, it's also entirely possible that, you know, the, this, this planning committee, I mean, Hamilton is, of course, in the East Division, but it is also the, the East Division team furthest from Quebec, right? Ottawa is obviously kind of a border town. They have a ton of French-Canadian players. They, they once had enough that they called themselves the French-Canadian Mafia with tongue-in-cheek on that team, um, Hamilton, not as many French language connections. And so uh, how does it happen? I, I'm not sure, but that's a question that we're certainly going to be posing to the CFL, given that, you know, it, once it was pointed out, it is it is certainly head scratcher, especially with the Alouettes being in the game. Yeah, except just look at, this is John Hodge from Three Down Nation on the Western Pizza Hotline. I'm just thinking back on the history of the Great Cup game, and this one just comes to mind since we're here in Saskatchewan, but the 101st Great Cup at Mosaic Stadium, the old Mosaic Stadium, the the logo at midfield, it was, you know, it was representing both languages. As far as I can remember, it's always been that way, regardless if the Montreal Alouettes are playing in the Great Cup or not. It's just, uh, it's a head scratcher why all of a sudden it's uh it's not like that but like you said we're still in the midst of figuring out some answers and hopefully uh we can find some answers out soon this is john hodge here and john speaking of finding out some answers what's the latest on the saskatchewan rough Riders head coaching front i know last night dave naylor sent out a tweet uh you know regarding some of the possible candidates where do we stand today as of november 17th at 353 cst well, to me, the thing that stands out is the fact that once you are given permission to speak to a candidate, that opens a 14-day window. And I know Jeremy O'Day, in his season-ending media availability, indicated that he wanted to have the coaching situation in Ryderville figured out by the end of the month. And so obviously, you know, if, if he's opened the two-week window now, that should track, right? This mm-hmm. team should have a new head coach in place by the end of the you can't open it back up without permission. And if you've already granted permission once, teams are not going to grant permission twice, right? You, you know, they, they open the door to let coaches out, but uh, obviously they don't want to lose their coaches as much as they, they often say that they, they do want to give guys opportunities to, to climb the ladder, so to speak, and, and garner promotions with other clubs. So something I thought was interesting is, is three down talk to Buck Pierce. Mm-hmm. He made it clear that he is interested in head coaching opportunities. That's, to me, news because in past years, he's been asked to interview for jobs and he's declined them. Is that part of the reason why is, of course, that he likes it in Winnipeg, but also part of it, and he's been open and public about this. His wife has had 
some some health issues with cancer, and they they didn't want to move her necessarily from her local care and 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 healthcare professionals and specialists. And he said, "Yeah, we we are ready to to potentially look at at head coaching jobs." Does that mean he's the next head coach of the Riders? No, not necessarily, but. It means that he's a true candidate, which in past years was not the case when he was asked to interview for different jobs and, and he declined. So, you know, to me, I, I still think the front runner is Scott Milanovic. I, I think, you know, the fact that he's been a head coach before, I think the fact that he has those great connections with Trevor Harris, they go back all the way to, to 2012 with the Toronto Argonauts where, where they won a Grey Cup, albeit with Harris, of course, as a depth option. But, you know, Harris, as much as he's, he's now in his late 30s, he's in tremendous shape. Right, he, I think he's going to make a full recovery from the injury he had last year. And he played well before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and Jer- Jeremy O'Day, if there's one thing that he is, he is risk-averse. Mm-hmm. I do not see Jeremy O'Day going for a candidate who is raw, who is new, who is outside of the box. To me, Scott Milanovic checks every box. He's a good coach. He's well-respected. He knows the quarterback. And guess what? He is somebody who will not come as a loose cannon, out-of-the-box candidate. He's somebody who's going to come in, you know exactly what kind of culture he's going to establish, what he's going to do. And I do think that if he is the guy, he's going to help the Riders win games and get back to the playoffs in 2024. John Hodge from Three Down Nation here. Hey, John, we got one minute left. I saw a great article by your colleague, J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation. And for those that don't have internet connections, that don't have phones, uh, maybe just fill us in quickly. What is in Danny Machocha's backpack all the time? He's always <laughs> wandering around with that thing. So we have about 45 seconds. So this is something that I've seen buzz about on social media because, as you know, general manager of the Montreal Oets, Danny Machocha, is often spotted with a backpack at games. And the more that I saw that feedback from fans, the more I started talking to our guys at 3 and saying, look, we have to ask this question to Danny at some point. And then, sure enough, the Owls get to the Great Cup. So JC talked to Danny, and lo and behold, apparently he has a backpack full of notes. Game notes, notes he makes during the game, big, thick, big notebooks, spiral-bound notebooks that no one else is allowed to see, that he's apparently keeping potentially to write a memoir someday about his long career. And the reason they're in the backpack is because he lost a set of his notebooks at one point into the ether, was never able to recover them. So he keeps them on his person at all times. And he also said if they win the Grey Cup on Sunday, he's going to give his backpack to one of his family members for safekeeping until the celebration is over because he's not going to wear it during the celebration, but he also does not want to risk anything he does not want to lose another set of notes. Yeah, let that thing rest. Give your back a rest, Danny. Hey, hey, John, uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes here. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Cheers, Sean. Thanks for having me. That's John Hodge from 3 Down Nation on the Western Pizza Hotline. That's hour one. We're going to be back on the other side with Arashba Danny from Sportsnet, live from Hamilton, Ontario. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. Starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. For Smart Investing Solutions, be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. It's getting a little hot in the studio. I don't know. What's the temperature at in here? Maybe it's because we're getting closer to kickoff. Things are starting to heat up here. 
Arash joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's just get this out of, out of the way, Arash. What's going on with these logos and stuff on Tim Hortons Field? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the the logo at midfield historically has always been both LCF and CFL. Why is that changed all of a sudden? I, I'm looking at logos from years past on the field. Yeah. Like what's and, going on? And you look around the you know the the field, the stadium. All the signage, all the wraparound, it's all English. And Zinger, this comes, you know, a few days after at the East Final. It was a unilingual anthem, just English. And it's it's not like, okay, is it an oversight? Yes. Is it a lack of attention to detail? Yes. But there's also an ignorance to this. We are a bilingual country. The league is played... In the province of Quebec, like, regardless of the Alouettes being in this game or not, that is something that is just an automatic. And it's it's bad, it's wrong, it's a slap in the face, it's just like, it's it's all the things that you're just like, why why are they just bad at everything? So today, you know, it's scramble mode when this gets brought out to light and there's a number of French Canadian media there. So now they're going to try and see what they can do about the logo and they're going to have a bilingual PA announcer and they're going to try with the electronic boards to get some more bilingual stuff, but it's egg on their face again. Uh, I I just don't understand it because I'm looking at Grey Cup 101, which took place at the old Taylor Field here in Regina, and the midfield logo represents both languages. It's always been that way, and now all of a sudden it's not like that anymore? Like, it it just doesn't make sense. No, I, I hear you, and... Like, there's no logical explanation for it, Singer. That's the issue, right? It's just all the things I said. Oversight, ignorance, um, lack of attention to detail, people who are making decisions, who can't think things through, who don't understand unintended consequences of their actions. Like, it's all of it. And it's just such, such a basic thing as part of your checklist. Yeah. Hey, Arash, Chad Kelly, the MOP of the league. It's not Zach Kolaris anymore. I know Zach Kolaris wasn't nominated yesterday. It was Brady Oliveira, but it looks like Kolaris is no longer Mr. November. Yeah, so two things there. One, I spoke with Mark Antoine Decois today, uh, the DB who took for the Alouettes, who took that... Um, who took that Chad Kelly pass in the first quarter, 101 yards back to the house for a touchdown. And... Uh, Looked at Decois and he kind of looked at me and he said, "Yeah, exactly. I was the best quarterback in our league." So I'm like, "Okay, shots fired. I like that, Mark Antoine." He rolled his eyes when we brought up the Chad Kelly um, concussion thing. Um, but this is what I mean by Zach Caleros not being Mister November. Zinger, if you look at every single one of Zach's playoff games since 2019. The West semifinal in 19, the West final, the Grey Cup, then the division final in 21, Grey Cup, and then last year, division final, Grey Cup. His over-under this week in the gambling line, the passing prop, is 270 yards. Singer, in those eight playoff games, Zach has never once thrown for over 270. 
Matter of fact, in five of those eight playoff games, he hasn't even thrown for 200. In those eight playoff games, he's thrown more picks than he has touchdowns. Zach is the best regular season quarterback this league has had in a long time. But, man, in the playoffs, the numbers are just kind of staggering. And Mike O'Shea was asked about it today. He won't go down there, uh, down, down that road. So it's really interesting. As this game approaches, which version of Zach Caleros are you going to see? Regular season Zach? Or the dude who just in the postseason hasn't been the guy? Yeah. Hey, Arash, we're watching uh, the Great Cup from 2021 right now. It's on the big screen in our studio. And look at that. The game was taking place at Tim Hortons Field. And the game has an LCF logo. Well, isn't that interesting? No kidding, huh? The same stadium. You know, it's it's wild. This is Arash Madani, coast to coast for Smart Investing Solutions. Uh, Willie Jefferson, he's going to be big for Winnipeg coming up here on Sunday, don't you think? Oh, man. So I thought this was an interesting line zinger today from Jason Moss. He said Willie acts like the third corner on a defense. That's how athletic he is. That's how dynamic he is. How much of a game-breaker, playmaker, whatever you want to call him, he's all those things. And I think one other thing that's really interesting about Jefferson is that all these offenses, they're going to put a tight end. In addition to the offensive line, they're going to add another offensive lineman to him or use a running back to block him or chip him, help out on him. Use a receiver coming across to try and slow him down. Like, I'm not big into stats, but this is the one that stuck out to me. In the history of the league, there has never been anyone who's had more than 50 sacks and more than 50 pass knockdowns other than Willie Jefferson. And you think of all the great pass rushers over the years, this dude's got a seven-foot wingspan, and he uses it to, to wreck things. He's probably going to be used. Like I, I wonder if that's on the gambling line. How many pass knockdowns is Willie Jefferson going to have yeah, on Great yeah, Cup Sunday? Good. Hey, on the other side of the ball, Austin Mack. What a story he's been this year. Want to talk about Austin Mack a bit, and you know why he's so important to this football team? Yeah, and like right away, you're like, wait a minute, he's a CFL rookie, uh, not eligible for rookie of the year because he's got NFL time but a rookie this league, and he's got over 1,100 receiving yards, which you don't see all that often. But there, Austin Mack was the last receiver on the depth chart going into training camp because he signed so late. And uh, there's a few things here. One, he got nicked up a few times in training camp, but he kept coming back. He never missed a day, which to Jason Moss said, that's a fighter out there. Um, Austin Mack, before he came north of the border, he actually got on film and he would watch Eugene Lewis run routes to get an idea of what the you know bigger and wider field is all about and, and how the waggle works and, and what's going to be important when he comes up here. So that told the front office, this kid's not entitled. And then the Alouettes go on a losing streak this fall, and Cody Fajardo said, we got to all come in early and kind of work together, quarterbacks, receivers. And it was Austin Mack who was the one who 
you know, got all the receivers together. He he rounded them all up and got them to buy in to do that, which told everybody this guy is not only a productive receiver, he's he's a leader of our group too. And all of a sudden, here's Austin Mack, who William Stanback back in training camp kind of watched him play and thought to himself, that can be Kenny Lawler 2.0. All of a sudden, Austin Mack's one of the most important players in Montreal's offense. Yeah, what a season Austin Mack had. Over 1,000 yards receiving, 78 catches. He's going to be one to watch on Great Cup Sunday. This is Arash Madani on the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, Arash, how about a prediction? Let's talk about it. Who do you got went in this game? A score prediction, what do you got for us? It's that time. I, I don't know if I'm overthinking this thing, or I don't know if it's because I've been here all week and, you know, being around everything. I came into this week thinking, okay, um, this is going to be a Winnipeg route, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm just starting to think that Alouette defense that, you know, I, I got by Hamilton and is the only reason they, they beat Toronto. Do they have another one? And their holster, can they do this again? Um, it's Part of it is I just don't trust the Bombers in a, in a Grey Cup game, which is weird because they've won two of their last three. But, man, it's... Uh, Are you picking the Alouettes, Arash? Are you going the Owls? Am I smelling this correct? I, I think the, the problem with the Alouettes is their offense is dreadful. Yeah. The quarterback's no good. But their defense is really good. Yeah. You know, I don't see I don't see a nine turnover game happening like last week, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that's uh, something to look for. Like I was saying earlier this week, I think if the Montreal Alouettes are going to win this game, I think that Cody Fajardo needs to make at least four, five, six big-time throws. And I'm not just talking like a couple dump-offs underneath, like down-the-field throws. But we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Hey, Arash, are you hearing anything new on the Riders coaching search? Uh, I saw the news today. You know, Buck Pierce, he's aware of the things that are happening in Ryderville. He hears the noise. Yeah, and, and look, I know there's a bunch of names out there. Um, one of the names, uh, two of the names I've been told, Jordan McKismick, offensive coordinator, BC, Mark Killam, special teams coordinator, Calgary, um, they have uh, they have been on the riders' radar. This is the one that intrigues me, Singer, mm. and it's not a candidate. I've been told that Jeremy O'Day is conducting interviews in Saskatoon because he's trying not to get any leaks on who's coming in and out of Regina. Very interesting. Saskatoon, maybe at uh, one of those nice fancy hotels downtown. Don't go creeping around, Ryder fans. You stay away now. That's very interesting. Hey, Arash, uh, this is the last moment that we're going to talk to you before Grey Cup Sunday. So how has the week been altogether? Do you have any other gossip news? What's going on out there in the hammer? Well, um, I... This is the sense I get, Singer. And obviously, you know, Hamilton's the Bearcats for the host team. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to do anything this week. I'm getting the sense that there's going to be some kind of shakeup in Hamilton with the Tiger Cats. Right? They, they're one and done in the playoffs. And they've had a lot of time for, you know, the evaluation, reflection, whatever the heck you want to call it. 
I, I would not be shocked if in the days and weeks following the Grey Cup, you see some kind of shuffle to the Tiger Cats coaching staff, to their front office. Does that mean, you know, for instance, could it mean Orlando stops coaching, he moves upstairs and Scott Milanovic becomes the head coach, for instance? Um, so I, I just get the sense that in Hamilton, um, they're waiting for all the hoopla to be over before they kind of fully address the football part. Very interesting. You are one intuitive man, Arash Madani, so I, I trust this. I trust this. Hey, enjoy the game on Sunday, Arash, and uh, thanks for the coverage all week. Thanks, Edgar. Appreciate you, bud. That's Sportsnet's Arash Madani on the Western Pizza Hotline. Brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Gully a call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Heading to break, you are listening to The Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Time now for The Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Breaking down the win. And we'll snap it around the boards as we approach four minutes to go in the second. And Mark Stone looking. Michael... To Theodore, Rishon score! Jay Theodore from out top on the power play, and the Golden Knights have tied the game at four. Oh, Jay Theodore of the Vegas Golden Knights. What a game he had last night. Four points, that goal, three assists, his Vegas Golden Knights. Six, five winners over my Montreal Canadiens. Shea Theodore is your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, rogator, gleaner, and fan dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Start to cool down a bit. I just had to drink some water, brought my temperature down. I was getting all heated up there. I think I think this logo thing at Tib Hortons Field is getting the better of me. Like, why is it bothering me so much? Well, it should bother me, but not to the extent where I'm sweating buckets. That's not good. What is good, last night, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders celebrated a couple awards. Saskatchewan Rough Riders kicker, Brett Lother, he was named the Tom Pate Memorial Award winner for the 2023 season and courtesy of the Canadian Football League. Let's listen into the CFL Awards last night. This is Brett Lothers' victory speech. Please welcome the recipient of the prestigious Tom Pate Memorial Award winner from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Brett Lother. Uh, from Nova Scotia here, I got a lot of people watching back home. Can we make some noise right now for everyone back home in Nova Scotia? There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> All right, I'd like to give recognition to all the other nominees of the Tom Pate Award. Um, the work you guys are doing in your respective communities definitely doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, congratulations to Montreal and, and Winnipeg. Uh, best of luck to Sunday on Sunday to both teams as well. Um, I know you guys want to get to bed tonight and there's a lot of important people to speak, so I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible here. Um, I stand before you today with immense gratitude and humility as I accept this award. Um, it's truly a privilege to be standing here surrounded by so many talented individuals um, who've made remarkable contributions across the CFL. Uh, I want to express my deepest appreciation to the CFLPA for this incredible honor, especially Solomon Elamimian and uh, Brian Ramsey. Um, to be recognized tonight is truly a dream come true and I'm profoundly grateful for the faith and confidence you guys have shown in me. I want to extend a heartfelt thanks to my family and friends 
who have been the pillars of my strength and support throughout this journey. Your unwavering encouragement and belief in my abilities has been instrumental to the, in this moment. This award is as much yours as it is mine. None of this would be possible without the hard work and dedication of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. Your passion, creativity, tireless efforts have contributed significantly to the success we celebrate today. I'm proud to be a part of such an incredible individuals as I accept this award on be our behalf of our collective achievements. Um, to all those who have believed in me, supported me, contributed to my growth, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This award serves as a reminder of, um, that success is not an individual pursuit but a collaborative effort. It's a reflection of energy and commitment of everyone who's been a part of my journey. I'm committed to using this recognition as a platform to inspire others to contribute positively to our community and make a meaningful impact in Saskatchewan. In closing, I want to express my serious gratitude once again. This award is not just about past achievements, but a motivation to strive to greater heights in the future. I'm excited for the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead. I'm grateful for your support as it propels me forward. Thank you for this incredible honor. Yeah, that's Brett Lother last night. Big congratulations. The kicker of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders named the Tom Pate Memorial Award winner for the 2023 season. Uh, big thanks to the Canadian Football League for streaming that last night on CFL Plus, I believe. Hopefully in the near future we can get that on TSN. Wouldn't that be nice to kick back, relax, and watch a CFL award show on the main network? Fingers crossed that could happen in the near future. It, really unfortunate news today in the National Football League. If you missed it, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, he's out for the season. He left the game last night in the Thursday nighter in Baltimore. It was after that touchdown pass to Joe Mixon. You could just tell right away it wasn't right because he started wincing at his hand, his right hand, his throwing hand. And then after that, he went to the locker room. He came back. He grabbed a football, tried to throw it, and then right away just dropped the football to the turf on the sidelines, and you could just see it in his eyes. You could see it in his face just wincing. And sure enough, the worst news possible for Bengals fans, and let's be honest, for National Football League fans, the league is better with Joe Burrow in at starting quarterback for the Bengals. But he is the second AFC North quarterback to hit the IR. This week alone, Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns and now Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to take a break. Farhan Lalji, he is also in Hamilton getting set for Great Cup 110. And he's going to hop on the Western Pizza Hotline. He's waiting in the wings. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. It's 434. I'm Blaine Wiley inside the Sports Cage studios with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Where professional services guaranteed, they'll treat you right. Seven eight one twenty ninety. It is, of course, Great Cup Friday's preparations continue for the big game on Sunday. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, facing injuries in the receiving core did receive did get Dick Dembski and Rashid Bailey back on the practice field today. Dalton Schoen still not practicing as well. Linebacker Adam Bighill not practicing for the Blue Bombers. Of course, the Blue Bombers will meet the Montreal Alouettes in the Great Cup final on Sunday. On the ice, the Regina Patsinger began a five-game trek away for the Brant Center as they will hit the road and face off with the Swift Current Broncos tonight. The game you can catch here on 620CKRM. Pre-game show begins at 635. Opening face-off is at 7 o'clock. There's three games today in the NHL. One is already in the books. Of course, the NHL is overseas with the Global Series in Sweden. In action today, the Toronto Maple Leafs picked up a 3-2 victory over the Detroit Red Wings as John Tavares had points on all three goals for the Maple Leafs. And a couple of Canadian... Pitchers were dealt today. 
The Colorado Rockies have acquired Cal Quantrill from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for a minor league prospect. Last week, Quantrill was designated for assignment. And as well, Calgary native Mike Soroka is heading to the Chicago White Sox in a 5-for-1 deal that will see left-hander Aaron Bummer hit to the Atlanta Braves. And that's a look at your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. CFL Awards last night, Niagara Falls, Ontario, and before revealing the evening's big winner, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi announced that the league is renaming its Most Outstanding Player Award to honor the legendary George Reed, who of course passed away last month at the age of 83. And the first ever George Reed Most Outstanding Player Award went to the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, Chad Kelly, the Most Outstanding Canadian, Brady Oliveira, running back from the Blue Bombers, Most Outstanding Defensive Player, Matthew Ben from the BC Lions, most outstanding rookie, Quantez Stiggers from the Toronto Argonauts and the most outstanding offense alignment, Dijon Allen, also from the Argos. And the Argos were just sweeping away things. Most outstanding special teams player, Javon Leak, also from the Toronto Argonauts. And yes, Ryan Didwitty is your coach of the year from the Toronto Argonauts. It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Michael Ball, today. Alongside Blaine Weiland, now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by TSN's Farhan Lalji. How you doing, Farhan? How has a Grey Cup week been? Well, I'm good. glad to talk to you. I keep calling you Wally Pip. Um... <laughs> It's been a good week. It, it, it has been. You know, we were in Niagara yesterday for the awards, and that was kind of its own little, you know, Grey Cup festival on its own, along with what's going on here at the convention center and in and around the stadium and in our hotel here at the Sheraton where there's a lot going on. So it's, it's been a good week. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I didn't, after the awards, you know, we were going to go to the Shaggy concert, and then we got there, and the guy said to us, listen, why don't you come back in half an hour because we're a little ways away from starting. And we wound up at this place called the Spice Room, and uh, we're there for three hours and didn't make it to the Shaggy concert. So, But it turned out to be a good evening. Isn't Carrie Underwood tonight? She is tonight. I'm debating. I've got tickets. I'm debating whether Ooh. or not I should go. Of course you should go, go for a little ahead. bit. I, kinda, I want to lay low, though. I, I, you yeah. know, last night was a long one for me. Yeah. I'm getting old, bud. But I think I will <laughs> go, but I, I might not stick around for the entire show. Yeah, so how were the CFL awards last night in Niagara Falls? Uh, as an event, they, they were well-produced. Uh, the organizing committee did a really good job. I thought yeah. the crowd could have been a little bit better. But, um, you know, as far as the speeches and the entertainment and the production of it all, I thought they did a pretty good job, right? I, uh, were you surprised at all by any of the winners? I think it was all pretty straightforward as expected. Yeah, I think I was going to ask you this the same thing. Were you expecting Chad Kelly to walk away with the first-ever George Reed Most Outstanding Player Award? I was, although I didn't vote for him. Mm. Uh, I did vote for Brady Oliveira. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as, you know, I, I tend to be very quarterback-centric with these awards, and I certainly use that in how I thought I was picking them in the West, right? That I, I felt that Zach Calero should have got the Bombers nominee. He didn't. So I picked VA in the West. Um, and, uh, and, but then I still picked Zach as my all-star quarterback in the West, which, which happened, right? Uh, when it got to the to the full league level, you know, I, I wasn't as impressed. I know everybody wants to talk to me about, well, he never won a game that he, he never lost a game that he started and finished, right? And 
His winning percentage was great, but the numbers that he put up were significantly behind Vernon Adams and Zach Caleros, right? Like, it was a, it was a big gap there. So I just kind of felt that the West was tougher. Uh, the fact that Chad didn't play against Winnipeg uh, affected my vote. I'm not going to lie. And so I voted for Brady once it got to the league level. But that, all that said, I'm not surprised Chad won because I know that you know, a lot of people kind of vote on these things off the story element of it, right? And to all of a sudden get this new star quarterback with name recognition in Toronto is great. So we all vote for him, right? Yeah, this one's kind of a moot point. doesn't really matter. But I was kind of surprised to see that 58 out of the 61 votes for the coach of the year went to Ryan Dinwiddie. Were you surprised at that at all? But at the same same side of the coin, he was 16-2 and two at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I, I think that was the biggest thing. And I wasn't, I wasn't surprised it was that one-sided, uh, but I'm not surprised Dinwiddie won handily and, you know, for that, right? Like last year, you know, a lot of people felt that they got some good fortune to win and then for them to come back with the new quarterback and have the success they did and then having to manage things for those last six weeks when they had already clinched and still find a way to stay motivated and win all but one of those games, I think was also impressive. So, I, you know... They really did look dominant. They looked like a complete team in all three phases. I don't think anybody expected what happened last Saturday in the East uh, final to happen. So, you know, as long as those votes all went up before that game, which we know they did, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, that he won. Hey, back to Chad Kelly, Farhan. Uh, can you see Chad Kelly getting a shot south of the border here in 2024? Is that actually a realistic possibility? No, I, I don't think so. Like, I think, look, do I think a team might be interested in signing Chad Kelly? Um, you know, to bring him to camp? Yeah, sure. Why not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could see that possibility, but I don't think he would take it just for that, right? I mean, if somebody said to him that, look, we, we love everything you've done. You, you know, you backed up what you thought you were in, in the CFL, and we'll, we'll give you a chance to come in and be a number two. Uh, yeah, I think he'd jump at that in a heartbeat. I just don't think that situation exists for him. So, you know, and on top of that, to make him a number two, you've also got to pay him more because he's not a player that can be paid rookie salary because he's been around the league for four years. So he's kind of past that window, Uh, you you know, and he's also eligible for bonuses. So that would also be part of his expectation in order to show that, yeah, you're serious about me and I've got a chance to to be on your active game day roster. So uh, if somebody presented that to him, I'm sure he would take it. I just don't think anybody's going to, and I think he'll be back with Toronto. Yeah, Chad Kelly will turn 30 years old on March 26th, so that's just uh, something to keep in mind as well. This is TSN's Farhan Lalji on the Western Pizza Hotline. Well, let's talk about this game, Farhan. What do you see happening in this football game? To start the week, I kind of was feeling more so it was going to be a runaway for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and then the closer to kickoff we get here, I'm kind of thinking, okay, maybe we're going to have a pretty good football game after all. Take the under is my advice. Take the under. I think it's 47 and a half points, and I just don't see these teams being dynamic offensively right now. Look, I think that um, both defenses are very good, so I just don't think Winnipeg is going to be able to put up a huge number. Dembski and Bailey practiced a little bit. They actually got some reps in practice as opposed to just walking around, so they'll be a little bit healthier than they were last week. But looking at Winnipeg's offense last week, there wasn't much there, right? I mean, the first quarter with, with Brady doing his thing, yeah, they were great. But then after that, things changed, and, and their offense bogged down because they really only had two options. One was Oliveira, and the other was, was Kenny Lawler, and BC took away Oliveira, and you know Lawler made enough plays. But the biggest thing is is that Winnipeg won't make mistakes. They're just not going to. I know they didn't last year's Great Cup. I don't think that's going to happen again. 
Weather is absolutely not going to be a factor. It's probably going to be eight, nine degrees at kickoff. Um, but I, I just don't think they're going to make the mistakes. And Montreal needs teams to make mistakes. Like, they're just not good enough offensively. I'm sorry. Like, I like Austin Mack. I like Tyson Philpott. You know, I like their running backs. But their line's average, and I, I'm just not a – I think Cody's a, a good quarterback. I'm not sure he's a great thrower of the football, right? He does other things that allow him to kind of manage and function um, as a quarterback. But I, I just don't think that if you're going to put the game on his shoulders or on his right arm – that he's going to win the game for you. They need Winnipeg to make mistakes. I don't believe Winnipeg can win. And if that, you know, if, if it's a game that Cody has to win, I just don't think it'll happen. Interesting. This is Farhan Lauji on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, last night you uh, tweeted, Farhan, riders uh, have asked to speak with Stamps Special Teams Coordinator Mark Killam, BC Lions OC Jordan McSimmick. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind here for Ryder fans. It's getting closer to the end of November, and that's where Jeremy O'Day said he wants to have a head coach in place, so that's another two names that you can add to the list. Yeah, you know, and I think some of these are, are courtesy or cosmetic or due diligence, like pick, pick your verb mm-hmm. um, or adjective. I just think that it really is going to come down to the three main characters that we've talked about or candidates that we've talked about all along. It's going to be Scott Milanovic, it's going to be Corey Mace, it's going to be Buck Pierce, right? I think those are the three most serious candidates uh, you know, I, I love Mark Killam, Mark Washington, Jordan McSimmick, all those guys. Um, but I, I'm not sure they're going to check enough boxes for them to get a meaningful shot at this job. But, you know, you've got one guy is, who is um, a, a great cup winning head coach. He's done it. He's got the pedigree. I think that puts him out in front because I think that matters for Saskatchewan. You know, they want to make sure that they just get this right and there's the fewest questions possible for the candidates. But, you know, Buck is a chance to really, really injure your rival. Uh, and he's a good coach, you know, and, and help fix your offense. Uh, and, um, you know, and in terms of Corey Mace, he is that hot coaching candidate that impresses a lot of people and has natural leadership skills. So, you know, he just doesn't have enough tread on the tire as a coach. But I think he's ready and would do a fabulous job. So, it's just, you know, I, I think if it comes down to how much public pressure weighs in this decision, it's Scott Milanovic's job to lose. If, you know, if Jeremy O'Day truly gets to hire who he wants through the interview process, I think that um, Mace and Buck Pierce will have a really good chance. And listen, if they hire Buck Pierce, like, you got to understand how much this would affect that Winnipeg organization. They do not like change at all. And there is nobody on that offensive staff that's qualified to take that job over. They'd have to bring somebody in from the outside, which takes Mike O'Shea deeply out of his comfort zone. Yeah. So, you know, and, and uh, Buck wouldn't interview in Ottawa. He's very interested in this job uh, in Saskatchewan. So I think, Buck, I, I hope that Buck and, and Corey both get a really, really meaningful opportunity. I mean, I hope they all do, but I, I, in terms of who I believe the three big ones are, I hope there really is a big three and not just one to lose. Very interesting. Wouldn't that be something? Buck Pierce in charge here at Ryderville. Hey, Farhan, enjoy the Grey Cup on Sunday. Thanks for giving us a couple minutes today, as always. Take care, buddy. That's Farhan Lalji, TSN, on the Western Pizza Hotline as we're going to hit the break and hear from Chad Kelly coming up next, his victory speech yesterday at the CFL Awards as he is the first-time ever winner of the George Reed Most Outstanding Player Award. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Friday for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. 
house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. I think the Detroit Red Wings can't wait to come back to North America. That's two straight losses now in Sweden. They lost today to the Toronto Maple Leafs, 3-2 to the final score in the NHL Global Series. The Maple Leafs wearing some blue buckets, some blue helmets today. I kind of like it. Kind of like it. It brings out the pants more, brings together the uni more. I don't know if they're going to wear that full-time or not. Maybe it's just, just their Swedish Look, that's a tongue twister. But uh, they're calling it right at home because William Nylander <laughs> runs his point streak to 16 in his return to Sweden. And sticking with Toronto, Toronto Argonauts. Yes, Chad Kelly, what a what a season he had. What more can you say about it? 16-2, and two, it doesn't happen often. 16-2 and two football team in the Canadian Football League. And really loved this award speech yesterday. I went back and rewatched the whole CFL award ceremony, and you could just tell that this award meant a whole lot to Chad Kelly, and this is the way it sounded. Big courtesy to the Canadian Football League for bringing this to us. And the winner of the George Reed Most Outstanding Player is Chad Kelly from the Toronto Argonauts. A feeling that I've never felt before. It's amazing. Um, first, I want to say I'm honored to be a, a part of the first annual George Reed Award. You know, obviously his legacy is cemented throughout the whole CFL, and, and his legacy is going to live on forever. So I'm, I'm grateful, and uh, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Second, I want to say, Brady, you're a hell of a player, man. I love watching you play. I mean, there's so many deserving people in the CFL of this award. I love watching the CFL. I love being a part of this great league. And like I said, there's so many great players that deserve, you know, so many things, amazing things to come. So um, just want to say congrats, too. Next, I want to thank the Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for, for putting me in this position. I want to thank my, my parents for just trusting in me each and every day, lifting me up when I'm down, just, you know, telling me just keep working harder, keep working harder, and, and good things are com- would come. And, and you're right. So thank you. I want to thank my girlfriend for, for being there for me every single day. I mean, there's, there's so much that I can be thankful for, but I know you've made an impact in my life that is going to last forever. So thank you. I want to thank my, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, for being a part of not only my life, but, but the CFL and, and the Toronto Argos. You guys have made being at Argo fun. And, and every day going to work, um, you guys lifted me up as well. So thank you to my, my family as well. Man, I wouldn't be up here today if it's not for my teammates. Each one of you guys have provided me something that I, I've never felt before in my life. And you guys have fulfilled so much of joy and, and glory to my life. And you guys made me become a better quarterback and a better person each and every day. So thank you so much, guys. I really love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for all the hard work and dedication you guys put in this year. I know we'd be a, a lot happier if we were watching film on the next opponent right now instead of us being up here cheering on each other. But I know that we're, we're going to get better each and every day, and, and our mentality of 1-0 is still, still going to resonate each and every day this offseason. So thank you, guys. Uh, to my coaches... Coach Miller, man, I wish he could be here today. He's going through a tough time. He, he has, you know, made me become a quarterback, a real quarterback. What I mean by that is by managing a football game. 
You know, you don't have to do the heroic plays. You just have to manage. You, you got to be able to just get your team in the end zone and then end every drive with a kick. And ever since meeting Coach Miller from the first day to now, I just applaud him for everything that, that he's taught me and, and, and has taken everything that he's learned and, and gave it to me. So thank you, Coach Miller. Coach Dinwiddie, man, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, you believed in me from, from the time I got here. Um, you've been hard on me when I needed to be, and, and you've had my back when it, when it got dark. And so thank you so much for everything you've put me through, and, and I just appreciate all, all your dedication and hard work that, that you give to us each and every day. So thank you. To my wide receivers, to my running backs, to my linemen, you guys are the best offense in the Canadian Football League. I appreciate every single one of you guys. I have the best offensive lineman in the whole league, 17 sacks. That's hard to come by right there. So thank you guys. Wide receivers, thank you for always getting open. Thank you for painting the perfect picture in zone coverage and beating that man coverage when, when time's called. Running backs, thanks for running hard. You guys are absolutely amazing. I mean, the pass play doesn't open up if, if it's not for you guys running hard each and every day, so thank you. To the staff of the Toronto Argonauts, MLSE, Pinball, John Murphy, Vince, Alex, you guys are awesome. Thank you for once again believing in me, for making that trade from, from Edmonton, doing, doing I wanted to be here in Toronto and being close to family, so thank you so much for believing in me. And to the city of Toronto and all the fans, man, I love you so much. You guys brought the juice every single game, and we look forward to bringing a lot more cups home to Toronto. So thank you guys. Thank you for be being a part of such a great night. Go Argos. No, no, no. Go Riders. Go Riders, not go Argos. No, just kidding. Big congratulations to Chad Kelly. It was before the revealing last night that CFL commissioner came on, Randy Ambrosi, and he announced that the league is renaming its most outstanding player award to honor the legendary George Reed, who, yes, passed away last month. Uh, at the age of 83. So from this day forward, it will be the George Reed Most Outstanding Player Award. And Chad Kelly is the first to take it home. And that wraps up Hour 2 on the other side of the 5 o'clock news. Stay tuned because we have a two-time Grey Cup champion about to join the Western Pizza Hotline, Darren Flutie. He won one Grey Cup with the BC Lions in 1994, and then he won another in 1999 with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a team which is hosting the Grey Cup here on Sunday. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Gleisinger. And today's show is brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All of our guests on today's show up here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Back into the fall routine. Well, it's almost winter, so it's almost time to get into the winter routine. But you can take the night off and let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. The text line always open, 306-936-6262, powered by... Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. And I'll tell you what, big thank you to Darren Flutie. We don't have him on the line just yet, but uh, during the news there, Darren gave me a text and he was like, oh, I totally forgot. My cell phone is not capable of receiving or sending phone calls right now. So as we speak, 
Darren is turning around and he's on his way home so he can pick up his home phone and join us live here on the sports cage. That's the beauty of live radio, baby. Darren Flutie, he is going to be joining us in just a bit. A little bit of a mishap, but we surely appreciate him turning his car around and driving home so he can join us today on the sports cage. Uh, Yeah, I want to talk with Darren today because it's been a Quite a while since the Hamilton Tiger Cats have won a Grey Cup. You have to go back to 1999, and the last couple of years we've seen the Grey Cup being held in Hamilton. And I just want to get Darren's thoughts on the game coming up this Sunday, thoughts on his two big Grey Cup championships. And Darren Flutie, by the way, like a lot of you probably know this, but this guy is sitting near the top at nearly every receiving category. You look at it, receiving yards, he's number four all-time, 14,359 yards receiving Darren Flutie had. And if you look at it from the reception standpoint, Darren Flutie is number five all-time with 972 catches. He's behind Nick Lewis, G. Roy Simon, and a guy we chatted with yesterday on the sports cage, Ben Cahoon, and and then Terry Vaughn, who also, of course, had a great uh, great career. So Darren Flutie, all over the place in the statistics. He had two great cups, and right now he's turning around and he's heading home so he can join us here on the sports cage. Blaine Wyland alongside me here, and he was one heck of a receiver, wasn't he, Blaine? Growing, like, I don't know who to choose. If you could choose one guy between Darren Flutie and Ben Cahoon, and now I lump those two guys together because it's back-to-back days that we chat with these two guys, which guy would you choose if you had to pick one of them? Tough question, I know, but that's what we do. That is a tough question, you know? Uh... You know, uh, you know. I think I'll go Ben Cahoon. Ben Cahoon. Yeah. yeah, that's a close one. Don't like, worry, I won't tell. I won't tell Darren when we get him on the air here. No, it just seemed like Ben Cahoon. He caught absolutely everything that was thrown his way. Like every single ball. I. He obviously dropped a couple balls in his career, but I cannot think of a time that Ben Cahoon dropped the football. It was just like I don't know if they. You know how they check pitcher's hands in Major League Baseball. Maybe they should have had that implemented back when Ben Cahoon was playing. Maybe there was some stickum or something on his hands because those hands were just straight-up glue. But uh, another guy with great hands was Darren Flutie, and we're going to chat with him right away here. And Regina Pats hockey tonight, by the way. The Pats, the first of five games on the road. They are in swift current. Three games in the National Hockey League today, and one game is a final already. It was that game in Sweden, the Toronto Maple Leafs, with a 3-2 to two win over the Detroit Red Wings. The Toronto Maple Leafs wearing some blue helmets today, which look pretty good. I wonder if they're going to wear those a bit more going forward because they look pretty slick. I'm not not going to lie. I'm not a Maple Leafs fan by any means. Big Montreal Canadiens fan, so when you hear me say that, you got to believe me. They look pretty sharp. Uh, Buffalo's in Winnipeg tonight, and Florida is on the West Coast to take on the Anaheim Ducks at the Honda Center. Honda Center, a beautiful arena. Yeah, and Major League Baseball, some news going down today. Canadian pitcher Cal Quantrill traded to Colorado by Cleveland. Canadian pitcher Mike Soroka traded to the White Sox in a multi-year deal for left-hander Aaron Bummer. So those are a couple 
big deals that went down today related to our country at Canada. NBA, Toronto hosts Boston in their in-season tournament tonight. And Russell Westbrook, he's just kind of clinging on this guy in the NBA. That's the way it feels anyways. He's now with the LA Clippers. He says that, yeah, I'm willing to come off the bench. Basically what he's saying is, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do anything if a team will keep me on an NBA roster. That's basically what he's saying, in my opinion. And we talked about this earlier on, but devastating news in the National Football League today. We saw it last night on the Thursday Nighter. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. I don't know if we jinxed jinx the guy or not, but my gut was just hurting because they actually showed Jim Burrow in the crowd right after Joe was taken out of the game and Jim was on these airwaves just a couple days ago and then you fast forward to the Thursday nighter and it was just like a complete nightmare. All of a sudden, Joe Burrow is out after Deshaun Watson was declared out a couple days ago. Like, what's going on here? You know, but it's unfortunate and it really opens the door if it wasn't wide open already for the Baltimore Ravens because they have control of that division going forward. Blaine, your San Francisco 49ers take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. That's a tricky team to go up against. You never kind of know what team Tampa Bay's going to bring to the table with Baker Bakefield. Yeah, you could also say it's a trap game, that classic trap game because the Niners, uh, next three games, Seattle, Philly, Seattle. So that's obviously a big three-game stretch for them. So, But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the home debut of uh, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, the tag team. The Bayside Buckeye connection. Yeah. Big game. That's on Sunday at 3.05 Saskatchewan time. Just going through the list of the games this weekend. Text me up. Who's your team playing? 306-936-6262. We got Dallas, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, L.A. Chargers. In Green Bay at Lambeau Field, the Packers will be wearing their 1950 throwbacks this weekend. I saw a nice picture on their social media. They're they're all lined up, looking mighty fresh. That's a 12 p.m. kickoff, and I like that kickoff time because that means I can just kick back, relax, and watch the Grey Cup. And you, Blaine, are going to be a bit conflicted because your Niners play at 3 o'clock, the Grey Cup well, it says it's a 5 p.m. start time, but really the kickoff might not be closer to 5.30. That's the way yeah. it usually goes, but you're going to be a bit conflicted, no? Uh, no, you know, I hopefully the Niners just stomp them pretty good that it, by 5.30 rolls, it's uh, yeah. all CFL. No, you know what? Worst case scenario, I'm going to have them both on. Like yeah. Obviously, I'm going to be paying attention to both games, especially to the Great Cup. Um, yeah, we'll just see. We'll wait and see what happens around 5.30 because, yeah, you say 5, 5 o'clock kickoff. It's usually closer to 5.30. And by the way, going back to the Chargers, see that stat about them and Justin Herbert? Mm. About the Chargers' all-time franchise record? I think the franchise record's at 500, and now that Herbert, since he's been with the Chargers, they're like at 500 with the same amount of points scored. Like, they're clearly 50-50. I mean, you might have had. And they're going to dump below 500 on Sunday. That's what you're saying, right? The Green Bay Packers are going to come out and and shock the Chargers. I know if Ballsy's listening, he's going to come over here, corner at 12th and Rose, and wring my neck, maybe. He doesn't like that. I think he's a big Chargers fan. I wonder fan. what he thinks about Belichick. Yeah, I wonder. There's some some speculation flowing around of where Coach Bill Belichick might go next season. Some people are saying, will it be Buffalo? Will it be the Jets? Will it be this? Will it be that? Will it be Miami? Or will it be in California? Because... 
Bill Belichick lo- loves his beaches, right? So will it be the Chargers? Will it be the L.A. Chargers? I love saying it, Chargers. People are like, don't say it like that, please. Speak English. Uh, Tennessee's in Jacksonville this weekend. The Vegas Raiders, they're hot ever since letting go Josh McDaniels. They're in Miami to take on the 6-3 and three Miami Dolphins. The Giants, those lonely, lonely, pitiful Giants, 2-8 and eight in Washington to take on the 4-6 and six Commanders. The Jets in Buffalo, Seattle in L.A. to take on the Rams and the Minnesota Vikings and Denver. And don't look now, for some reason, Denver's winning football games. It all kind of started when they got their momentum rolling when my Green Bay Packers went to Denver and got shellacked ever since then. Denver's been on a hot streak. And it's a big Monday nighter this week. Philadelphia is in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, the Eagles, 8-1, and one, the Chiefs, 7-2. and two. What more can you ask for? On a Monday night. Hey, we're going to head to break. Hopefully we can get a hold of Darren Flutie on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, here we go. And Darren Flutie has made it home. And he's joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. How you doing today, Darren? Thanks for uh, turning around and uh, coming home to do this. Really appreciate it. Uh, sure, no problem. I feel bad my uh, my phone wasn't working. <laughs> no, it's all good. Hey, it's all good. It happens all the time. Hey, my phone hasn't been working for ages, so don't <laughs> feel bad about it. So, Darren, we have a big game coming up here on Sunday, I guess. First of all, uh, how you doing? We haven't talked to you in quite some time. I think it's been a, almost a year since we chatted with you here inside the sports cage. Yeah, I'm doing well. I mean, I was up in uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Um, what was that? August, I think. Yeah. I was up there for that uh, the Wall of Honor and got to see a lot of ex-teammates. I was up the year before for Danny's. So back-to-back years, going back up to Hamilton and seeing some ex-teammates. That was a lot of fun, and got to see some more CFL than I I've seen lately. You know, I really didn't get back to Canada much yeah. after I retired because I started working here and it just got busy but it's been nice to reconnect with a lot of guys that i played with and watch some more cfl yeah so i guess it's it was probably about six or months ago i think or that we caught up maybe it's been i don't know all the times blending together but it seems like a while since we chatted uh, so have you been uh, watching a lot of canadian football league this season i know you just said you know you had a chance to watch some in person but have you been keeping tabs on the teams and such yeah, you know, I, I talk with Mark Mueller a little bit, who coaches in Calgary, mm-hmm. uh, Coach Lancaster's grandson, and uh, I get I follow a lot on like uh, say Instagram or Facebook yeah. or whatever. I follow teams like Hamilton and British Columbia or whoever, and I talk with Danny all the time, D Mac, and mm-hmm. I know how those guys are doing in Winnipeg. So yeah, I follow it enough to to know who's doing well, who's not doing well, who's struggling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mark Mueller, we know him well here, the former quarterback of the University of Regina, so he's uh, be- right. be- beloved in these parts. So let's talk about Hamilton. It's been a long time since the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you know, have hoisted the Grey Cup. You have to go back to the the team that you were on, Darren, back in 1999. That was the last time the Tabbies have hoisted the Grey Cup, and yes, the Hamilton's hosting it. 
this weekend, or I should say back in 1999 was the last time they won the Grey Cup, and we all know that Hamilton is hosting the game this Sunday. So uh, they must be just chomping at the bit to have a winner once again. What was the uh, vibe like when you were in Hamilton this year? Well, I mean, that, that exactly what you just said kept getting mentioned over and over that yeah. they hadn't won a great cup. That's why the 99 team keeps getting celebrated so much <laughs> because they haven't had a team to go back and win the great cup. And I, at first, I couldn't believe that because I really hadn't followed it too much, let's yeah. say, for a decade or so after. And then to hear that they hadn't won a great cup and then they got back and lost and, you know, 99 now, boy. Yeah. Do the math. Oh nine, nine. So that's twenty-four years they haven't been back. That's quarter of a century, and they haven't won a great cup. I mean, they've they've been back and played in one, but haven't won one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of good for the guys on the '99 team, though, because we can keep saying that we're the last team in Hamilton to win the great cup. So yeah, and you get a lot of love. You'll keep on getting invited back. Free trips. That's let's right. go. Come on. Hey, uh, let's talk about that game back in 1999. This is great cup week all week long. We've been reliving a lot of great cup memories. Just yesterday on the sports cage, we had Ben Cahoon on with us to talk about all the great cups that he played in. Uh, this one in particular, though, this was a big game for you guys because it was the second of uh, back-to-back Grey Cups in a row because in 1998, you guys lost to those Calgary Stampeders and you got another crack at them in the 87th annual Grey Cup. It was a 32-21 to final score. So, Darren Flutie, when you kick back, relax on a day like today and you think back to that game, what comes to mind first? Is it a play? Is it a moment in that game? Is it just simply after the game holding the trophy over your head? No, I think it was the build-up, and I think the build-up to the 99 Grey Cup probably started about a week after we lost the 98 Grey Cup, mm-hmm. really just kind of looking at each other like, how did we lose to Calgary in 98? It just was a series of events that, I mean, we didn't think a team was better than us, but of course, you know, any given day, you can lose to anyone. So after that 98 Grey Cup, I think it it just started building up towards 99. We were very confident going into 99. And when we got back to the Grey Cup, I think that day, as a team, we felt very confident. And then individually, I felt like we were, I felt I was peaking. I knew Danny was, and we were throwing the ball well, and Ronnie Williams was running well. The O-line was playing well. Our defense was maybe the best in the league. So we we had a lot of confidence in 99. We we never thought that we would lose that game in 99. So I don't know, you know, sometimes it's you don't want to be overconfident, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's a good feeling to really feel good about yourself and then you go out and imagine yourself playing well and then that's what happens. Yeah. This is Darren Flutie on the Western Pizza Hotline. I've told this story a lot. I believe on the airwaves, but in the year 2000, I was a eight year old kid. And I remember the Hamilton tiger cats were in town to take on the Saskatchewan rough riders, Darren. And uh, I went to kind of just witness one of your guys's practice at the old Taylor field. And then after practice, uh, I got to meet yourself. I met uh, Ronnie Lancaster. I met Joe Monford and it was Danny Mack that took off his gray cup ring and he let me try it on. I just think that was so cool. Just uh, thinking back now, it's hard to believe that here we are. I'm chatting with you on the airwaves because that's a memory that I'll never forget. 
boy, leave it to Danny to wear his gray cup to a game in Regina the year after we won it. Yeah. He's probably the only one that wore it that that day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's a great memory. I love the interaction between the players and the fans, especially in Regina. I mean that's a great city that backs their team, and they really come out and uh, you know yeah. root for Saskatchewan. It was always fun to play there. I loved playing there, except for when it was like twenty below. Which but is yeah, like all the, the time. On Taylor Field was <laughs> yeah. Those are good memories. Yeah. So Darren, you played a lot of years under Ron Lancaster, and he's beloved here for obvious reasons in Ryderville. Just maybe share a couple memories about about Ronnie before we dive back in time to the nineteen ninety four Grey Cup. Uh, I mean, Ronnie was uh, he was so good to me. I don't know at what point he thought I was a receiver that he wanted on his team. But at some point I must've done something in British Columbia that mm. he thought that, uh, I do well in Edmonton when he was coaching in Edmonton, but playing for him, uh, Danny and I kind of were a package deal going to Edmonton for those two years. Mm-hmm. And then of course, followed him to Hamilton, but he always had this, um, I think you'd call it a poem and it was all about the man in the glass. And it's about looking at yourself and, asking yourself if you had given it everything you had and had you played your best, had you prepared your best. And I had, Danny and I had this running joke about it because I used to poke fun at it a little bit. And I'd poke fun to Ronnie, <laughs> but Danny would antagonize me all the time and be like, hey, hey, Wood, how do you feel about uh, Coach Lancaster's poem? And I'd call it some sarcastic remark. And sure enough, Ronnie would be right behind me and then he'd tap me on the shoulder and just smile at me. I just think the atmosphere he created in our in our locker room, he had so much respect for what he had done on the field as a player. And then he treated us, he treated us like men. He's like, if you show up on time, you practice hard and you play hard, you can do whatever else you want and you get, get a long leash with Roddy. But if you don't practice hard and you're not showing up on time and you're not coming up to games and playing well, well then he, he cracks down on you. And that's really all you want as a player. That's the kind of the perfect coach. Is he, he was for us. Yeah. Was he your favorite coach that you ever played for? Oh, yeah. I mean, to first of all, to leave. I was still on the contract at British Columbia. I had to get out of that contract and get to to Edmonton to go with Danny. But then, you know, out of the blue, after two really good years in Edmonton, they're asking me to move to Hamilton and play there and to follow a coach and a teammate. I mean, I had to really enjoy playing for him to do that, to just pick up and go back. It was nice, I think, for our family to head back east, closer to Boston, where home was. But really, to make a professional decision to keep leaving teams to play for a certain coach, I had to really care about that coach, respect him, and enjoy playing for him. Yeah. This is Darren Flutie on the Western Pizza Hotline, and I was talking about when I was a kid, but let's talk about, you already mentioned him, Mark Mueller. He would have been just a little boy at the time around, I think he's about a couple of years older than what I what I am right now. Uh, so do you remember Mark Mueller being around the team back in the day? Of course, uh, Ronnie Lancaster's oh, grandson. Constantly. Made, yeah, do you constantly. remember some stories? Yeah. Was he a little rascal or what? Let's let's hear about well, it. He was just always there. He was in the <laughs> locker room. If we were playing crib before practice, he was on the road trips. And, 
you know, at first we used to call him uh, Coach's Shadow at first, but then uh, we gave him the nickname Mini-Me because was, there was Ronnie and there was little Mark Mueller right behind him, wherever, you know, shadowing him around kind of, if Ronnie would point, he would point, and if Ronnie said something, he would repeat it. It was hilarious. I mean, we didn't think much of it. We knew it was Ron's uh, grandson, but who would have known? He, he grew up and he was a great football player himself, and then he got into coaching in the CFL. So, And he's one of my longest relationships with people that are still really involved in the Canadian Football League. I talk with Mark, you know, half a dozen times a year just to keep up and see how he's doing and the family's doing and how Calgary's doing. So, yeah, he was always around that team, and I think he really loved that. He he has more stories from the 98-99 Hamilton team than I think any of the players do. <laughs> he had a front row seat to everything. Yeah. Hey, this is Darren Flutie here, and let Mark know that there's a there's a coaching vacancy here in Saskatchewan. I think a lot of Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans would would be more than willing to have old Mark Mueller back in Ryderville, his hometown. Here, it's uh, uh, looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. Let, let's go back in time, though. Here, Darren, uh, thanks again for joining us here on this uh, Friday, leading up to Grey Cup Sunday. Let's go back to the uh, to the 1994 Grey Cup. It was the BC Lions and the Baltimore Football Club, and it was kind of a weird dynamic that game. It was you know the Americans versus the Canadians, and once again, it kind of happened back in. 1995 as well, but when you look back at the 1994 game, I'll ask you the same question that I asked about the 1999 game. What comes to mind the most? Well, the 94 game was that was totally different because in 99, I had established myself and we had a lot of confidence in 99 and individually, I was more confident. Uh, in 94, I was just kind of coming into my own and we had had that huge upset the week before over Calgary and that's the first time Danny and I had kind of had some chemistry together and you know had a big moment in the CFL so following that up you know any game to follow that western final up was going to be tough to match but the emotion of a Canadian team versus um, an American based CFL team you know, you couldn't help but get caught up in all that because, it, it, you know, it was everyone asked that question. Like, yeah. how do you feel about, you know, this, a U.S. team playing against a Canadian team for the CFL title? And, all, and the Canadian players were deeply emotional about that game. That game kind of was, that was a, I was in a haze for that whole game. It was so loud and BC Play Stadium was, mm-hmm. was kind of vibrating the whole game. It was a low-scoring game. It wasn't anything like the 99 game where there was yeah. a lot of touchdowns, a lot of points. It was much more defensive-minded. But in the end, you know, we got a ring on our finger, and that 94 team, which had so much controversy throughout the whole season, won a Grey Cup. It just shows, like, you can have the best chemistry in the world and win a Grey Cup, and then you can have a team that doesn't get along at all and, and win a Grey Cup. That's what I think about the 94 team. Yeah, Louis Pisaglia with the game-winning field goal to end that game at BC Place Stadium. And maybe just dive more in, into that, Darren. Uh, what was the controversy? What was going on in, in 1994 for those that don't remember? 
Uh, I just, uh, our roster changed a lot. I mean, they were making moves. Uh, Comrie had taken over, Bill Comrie, Eric Comrie had taken over the um, ownership. Uh, of course, Coach Richie was our coach. Eric Tillman was our GM. And uh, there was some friction with the GM and the players, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of friction between the players. Uh, if we did one-on-one during a practice, which we probably did twice a week, receivers against DBs, there was always a fight, always a fight. And then there'd be a fight in the locker room after the fight on the field. And then we'd travel to a game, and there'd be two players that had missed the meetings, and they show up right wow. before the game. It was just a, it was a tough group of guys, guys that some veterans that had played in the NFL that were playing with us. And just guys that wanted to compete. There were a lot of competitors, I guess, and that's what it came down to. And that's why there were so many fights and and uh, kind of arguments within the team. But when we went to play, you know, games, we we played very well. So competition, the competition between each other, kind of bred yeah. some excellence on the field. So worked out for us. Yeah, it didn't seem to matter. You guys won the Grey Cup at the end, to your point. doesn't really matter if you have chemistry or not. Sometimes, I guess, living proof of it right there. So This is uh, Darren Flutie. One more question for you, uh, Darren. Big Grey Cup coming up here on Sunday. Uh, this is a broad question, but what does the Canadian Football League mean to Darren Flutie? Uh, well, I'd say the Canadian Football League put, uh, put the love of football back into my my feelings about playing football Mm -hmm. because the last feelings I had from the NFL were, I mean, those were tough. I had had to do everything right almost every practice when I was in NFL camps during the season and everything. And when I got up to Canada, it was very straightforward and honest. It's like, you're going to, if you play well, you're going to get on the field, you're going to play. And when I did start playing well, then they just left me alone. And I didn't have that going on previously. So, and Doug had told me this before I got up there. He goes, just give it a chance, you know, play a year and see if you like it. And he had said for him, it kind of put the passion back in the game for him and put the love of the game and brought that back for him. And that's certainly what it did for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really enjoyed i loved playing football up in canada and i love the guys i met and the people i met while i was up there yeah darren flutie i thank you so much for turning your car around and coming home and uh giving us a couple minutes on the western pizza hotline really do appreciate it and looking forward to chat with you again soon sounds good no problem you're welcome that's darren flutie canadian football hall of famer on the western pizza hotline and two-time great cup champion you name it It's one of the best of all time to do it. He was inducted into the Hall back in 2007. Just another great conversation to get you set for Great Cup Sunday, where we will create some more memories on the field. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. I'm Blaine Wiley inside the Sports Cage studios with your sports ticket for Busy Bee overhead doors. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee doors, the garage door specialists. Three games in NHL today and one's already in the books as one game taking place overseas in Sweden. It was the Toronto Maple Leafs defeating the Detroit Red Wings by a score of 3-2. Michael Nylander 
or sorry, William Nylander, Michael's son, and John Tavares each had a goal and two assists in the victory for the Maple Leafs. Two other games tonight include Buffalo, Winnipeg, and Florida, and Anaheim. And as well in the Western Hockey League tonight, the Regina Pats begin their five-game trek away from the Barrance Center this evening as they head out to head out west to the Swift Current Broncos. Coverage on 620 CKRM begins at 635, opening face-off at 7 o'clock. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, this is our last segment of the week, our last segment before Grey Cup Sunday, and Michael Ball will be back in this chair on Monday, the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He will be ready to go, and I will flip sides on the board and back to the regular duties. It's been a fun couple weeks here, and let's keep the fun rolling on Grey Cup Sunday. The Montreal Alouettes taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it's time for our Sports Cage Rewind segment. It was a few days ago that Michael Ball chatted with former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, former Seattle Seahawk, former Green Bay Packer, punter John Ryan. John Ryan, he said the next head coach for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders needs to have that passion like he has. And he shows that in this interview here. You can tell he gets a little bit of emotional from time to time with Michael Ball. So let's go back in time with our Sports Cage Rewind and relive that segment. We'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy the Great Cup on Sunday. All right, uh, here, I'm on holidays, but I couldn't pass this up, man. When uh, I got this tweet from my friend John Ryan, I'm like, this is Regina football royalty. I don't care if I'm on holidays, days off. This is a big story. You'd like to be head coach of the Rough Riders, John? (laughs) You know what, Baldy? I'd freaking love it. Uh, Am I going to be the next head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Probably not. Let's be honest. Where this really came from is I feel like I have a voice. Uh, through you, I have a platform to spread that voice. And I've been speaking to 13s, Rider Nation, last year, and I've heard uh, a lot of concern. A lot of concern, what's going on? Um, you know, I think this is the first time since the mid-90s where I can really hear concern in people's voice, where they don't know what's going on right now. And I feel like I have a voice. Maybe I don't speak for all Rider Nation today, but I feel like I speak for quite a few of them. So, uh, so you here's well, the here, here, here's the interesting thing about you, John, that I know, and maybe fans don't know. It's not like you were a guy that uh, just popped in for a couple of years. You know, you do bring the cachet as the only Saskatchewan boy to win a Super Bowl, so you've played at the highest level. But you love this league. You were a season ticket holder with your dad back in the day. Listen, Ballsy, I grew up in Saskatchewan, born and raised in Saskatchewan, like so many of us did. That football team means the world to me. It still does. When I was eight years old, I used to have to shovel driveways for $2 a pop in my neighborhood to raise $55. And on my birthday, my parents would give me $55 because the Saskatchewan Rough Riders season thing was $110. When I, when I left the NFL, people said, you've been playing professional football for 15 years. It's probably time to retire. Sail into the sunset. Enjoy it. You had a great career. I said, there's one more thing I need to do. I need to play for the Riders. This team is in my blood. And it is. And many people that I talk to, we feel the exact same way about this team. And right now, when I turn on the TV, when I go to a game and I see 10,000 empty seats, Rider Nation has spoken. They're sick of it. Mm. They're sick of it. And I am too. Now, every person in this province deserves better. Well, every person in this province deserves better. Okay. The best province in Canada for football. We have the best CFL fans in the entire league. We should be fighting for the Grey Cup, if not in the Grey Cup, every single year. So when we go forward and we say what we need of a head coach, we need a guy with passion. Okay, we need the same passion given to us that we give to this team every freaking week. 
Okay, if I'm the head coach and I'm stepping in there, and whoever that head coach is, I want him on day one to say mediocrity is done. Almost is done. Maybe next year it's freaking done because we're sick of it as Ryder Nation. Okay? These are the most passionate fans in the league, Ballsy. You know that. Mm-hmm. And when I look at this list and I see Buck Pierce, I see Milanovic, I see Killam, I run down that whole list. These coaches are all very good coaches. And I know a lot of them personally. They're very good men. And we're going to be lucky to get one of those guys. Okay? But I'm calling right now Jeremy O'Day, Craig Reynolds, every person in that building with a voice and a vote, I want you to listen up. Because when that guy comes into that room for an interview, I want him to look you dead in the eye and say, I will do anything to win football games for the Skats and Rough Riders. Not hear the X's and O's. All of those guys can do that. I need a guy. We all need a guy right now that has passion for this team like we have passion for it. That's what we deserve. Mm. And J.O., I love J.O. J.O., me and him go way back. This isn't a, this isn't a, I'm not pointing a finger at J.O. I'm not pointing a finger at our former coaches. I love those guys, too. That's not what this is about. This is about going forward. We're at a crossroads right now, this franchise, and we need a coach with passion. Okay? That, that's what we need right now. And, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about this, Ballsy. I'm sorry, bud. I don't need to hijack your show right now. But that's what this, that's what this city, that's what this province needs. Okay? Mm. And that's what I think we can do, but we have to. We can't screw this one up. We cannot screw this one up. Well, Henry Burris is another guy with limited coaching experience. That said he would love to be a head coach. He's ran a, a, he's ran huddles uh, at a high level, a Hall of Famer, and he knows what it means to be a rough rider. He isn't from Saskatchewan, but he was here. Um, you know, and, and then I see you come out and want to do it. What like are X's and O's as a head coach overrated? I've talked to coaches before that said five to ten percent of being a head coach is actually most. You know, you, as a head coach, you're managing, uh, you know, fifty plus players. You're managing your entire staff. Uh, you're talking to the media. You're, uh, you know, getting your team up and getting them ready to play on Friday or Saturday. Um, it's a bonus if you have a guy that has X's and O's experience. You know, you don't just hire, uh, you know, any 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 geek off the street as they say. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that a head coach is really an administrator. Do you like what is your best attribute? Do you think you wouldn't just say you want? I know why you're saying it because you want to have a head coach that has passion, and I get your message. But you obviously believe you could do it. What what makes you feel like you could be a guy that could stand on the sidelines, be a leader of men, and uh, be a, a face to yep. turn this thing around? Absolutely. Uh, as I said, born and raised in Saskatchewan, played football in Saskatchewan since I was seven years old, played 13 years in the NFL, played 19 years of pro football. I've been around pro football. I have never coached. That's, that's obvious. I've never coached, but I've been around the game. I understand the game. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a guy that watches football three hours on every Sunday. I've been in film rooms for hours and hours and days and years of my life. I understand the game. I have a passion for the game. I have a passion for the people in Saskatchewan and Ryderville. So that, that's, that's where I come from. Um, am I going to be able to blow your mind right now with some X's and O's and some uh, cool drills that we do in practice? I'm not. I'm not going to blow your mind with that, Ballsy. But I have passion for this. I have a lot of passion. Now, 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 here's the other thing, and you know this from all the way back in your Ram days, from Pete Carroll, from other guys you've been around. Uh, great coaches, successful coaches, surround themselves with better coaches. Could you have, could you have, uh, uh, you know, the ability to put together a good staff? I believe so. Yeah, you know, I've, uh, as I said, I've been around pro football for 19 years in uh, two leagues and two countries, and I, I know a lot of guys, a lot of. Uh, very good guys, you know, you're in the NFL, every team has 24 to 27 coaches. Uh, in the CFL, is around a lot of good coaches. I think I have a lot of different pipelines where I can put together really good stuff. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, 
I'm going to say this. Half the pe- I, I had 18,000 people look at my tweet and view it. Yeah, I put it all over social <laughs> media. It's been, it's, been, it's been mixed. People have supported you. They like you. They like your passion. Some people laughed it off. Uh, what would you say to those people that would quickly dismiss this notion that John Ryan wants to be the head coach of the Rough Riders? First of all, I get it. I totally understand it. A guy who's uh, one year removed from uh, playing football himself, who's never coached before, why should he be our head coach? You know, you might be right. Maybe I shouldn't be. And that, that's fine. Everyone has their, their uh, opinion, especially in Ryderville, and I understand that. But experience doesn't always make a coach in terms of on-field coaching. I, I have a lot of experience in football, love the game, have a passion for it, as I've said a million times in this interview. And I think it definitely surprised some people. You know, I, this is what I've said about any coach, whether it was John Ryan, Scott Milanovic, Henry Burris. And this is no disrespect to Craig Dickinson. He's my friend. I got a lot of respect for him. He, the one thing about Dickie was he coached to who he was. He wasn't a phony. And I think every player, including sure. no. yourself, can appreciate that. He was just a nice man. But this football team going forward needs an alpha. They need a guy that's uh, he's an alpha. He's going to be the face of the team and take the good and the bad and lead this team. And everybody in the locker room is going to know who the lead dog is because we don't have that right now. Yeah. I think we need we need a, a coach that has the same amount of passion as, as players. And you say, when I look at guys, I say, did you, did you play football on the street till suddenly the lights came on every day after school? Did you drink out of the freaking garden hose? Did you play tackle football at recess and you knew you were supposed to be playing touch? Those guys are dogs, and those are the dogs you need in that locker room, and that's what we need as a head coach right now. We need a guy to come in, and I am not shitting Dickie whatsoever because he, he, he was himself. He wasn't fake. He wasn't a phony. Yeah. So hey. right now, with where, where the direction we're going in, we need a guy that's passionate. We need a guy to come in, and we need him to freaking win. I would assume with uh, your travels all over the place, you, you probably have a pretty good pipeline, too, in terms of you know knowing the guy on this team or that team that can help you get players, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, I'm still, you know, very good friends with uh, John Schneider in Seattle. Uh, you know, every year they have 90 guys at camp, and uh, you know, whatever, 37 of them don't make it. So there's there's always guys out there, I and mean, you can develop some of those pipelines, which uh, you know, I know I know Jo has too, and uh, a lot of teams in the, the CFL have. You know, that's just you know going to help a team for sure. Okay, so lastly, John, I'm going to let you hijack my show. Just wrap it up. What what do you want to say with regards to this? I don't know if I'm going to be the next head coach of Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's not really what this is all about. My whole point is that right now, Rider Nation deserves a coach with passion. A coach is going to come in there and lead not only this team, but lead this province. And that's what we need. And that's what I'm calling on, calling on J.O. to really take these interviews serious and hire the best guy for our province. You know, everyone from Morons to PA to Eyebrow to Elbow to Saskatoon to the good side of Lloyd Minster, they all want this. They're all ready to win. You know, they're ready to come to games. They're ready to watch games. And I just, uh, J.O., I know he can do it for us. Um, it's a lot better it's a lot better to be hoisted up on a, a million shoulders than be standing under two million feet. Yeah. So we're ready to hoist you up. Okay, and lastly, are you going to actually contact, are you going to get your agent to contact him and say you're interested? Like, are you going to ask for an interview? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Balzi, my main point of this is just the love of this franchise. And I can get on your show, and I can say the seriousness and what almost all of us 13s are feeling right now. And I just want to get that word out, and I want to make sure they're listening to us. So I don't know if everyone's voices I always listen to. And as I said, through you, I have this platform where I can hear and get my voice out and speak for maybe not all the 13s, but you know, most of Rider Nation, I think. John, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. 
today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.